0: Welcome to LameStream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on the Twitters at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow
1: me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, subscribe, smash the subscribe button. We would really appreciate it. And hey, just tell someone. That's
0: all you have to do. Just tell someone about the show. Even if you don't like them. <laughs> if you don't like the person, obviously we prefer that you enjoy the show. Um, if you like the slow clap tweet, definitely follow steve cavendish he goes to the the slow clap well quite often uh he sees a lot of good stuff on twitter he's a good follow you should go follow him at s cavendish there you go i'm sorry that things amuse me on twitter (laughs) stew me it's sort of the point (laughs) of the of the platform uh that and to piss people off of course um all right so Corey Curtis on the show this week has been in television, WKRN sports director for Channel 2, has been in television for a very long time in this market, since 2003. The reason we wanted to to have him on, though, he obviously has some really interesting stories about sort of the launch of their digital properties and where the television world is going. We've had plenty of TV people on this show to sort of explain that phenomenon. But really what we wanted to talk to him about was the 12-year anniversary of the passing of Steve McNair on the 4th of July, how he covered that in the moment uh, back 12 years ago, and, of course, how that story has evolved, and he's got a lot of great insight as to how that day unfolded for him personally and sort of the uh, you know, the moral and ethical and sort of difficult decisions one has to make when, of course, you are in that situation. And, Steve, you've got some really interesting information about that you're going to lay out about the coverage of Steve McNair's passing that day. We also have a quick topic about uh, some media controversy if you want to call it that i don't even like using that word for espn we'll get to recommendations later but of course before we do any of that lame stream is brought to you by jaspers jaspers the next evolution of the sports bar and you know how i know that steve because they are evolving currently as we speak literally as we are recording this they are evolving and it is the dessert menu is evolving into a summer menu the drink menu the cocktail menu we're going to tell you a little bit more about that later on, but they are just constantly working to make your experience at Jaspers better. They, they don't sit still. They're like the shark of sports bars It just two, continues to swim. Two words, alcohol, popsicles.
1: <laughs> That's, that, we'll, we'll get to that later, but
0: wow. In the email I got from Jaspers, uh, they were like, just like you had as kids. And I was like, really? we had different childhoods (laughs) yes we did no question about it all right so uh go to jasper's great food great place to watch the game great happy hours and now boozy popsicles we'll explain a little bit more later on Corey curtis of course coming up in a little while as well but before we do that steve lay out for us the the coverage of steve mcnair's passing on the fourth of july way back when so this this was a
1: story that if you weren't in market or if you if you don't remember dominated the news here for i mean a solid 30 days six you know six weeks some of that is because it was in the summer but some of that is just because mcnair was an icon his death was so shocking and then the there were a number of different kind of stories that kind of came out of this about the woman he was with about you know all sorts of different issues uh, surrounding him and, and his life. And it was, it was a big mess of a story, but it was, it was shocking the way it happened. And it was, I, w- I went back to, to look at kind of just how it played out on that day. You know, the first call to police was at about one in the afternoon. The first story that went up was, uh, Ken Whitehouse and Nate Rao uh, working for, the Nashville Post and and city paper which were both owned by the same company broke it Nate had actually heard from a source at Vanderbilt that McNair had been brought in and was maybe dead already and then they started chasing down sources they got a second source and, and uh, who i believe was an attorney for McNair and then they got a third source who was was a police source and they were need, able to do
0: you need 3 in this situation with something like this you know, it depends on
1: the people that have, you know, you know, kind of what kind of firsthand knowledge they have of the situation. I mean, obviously, the, the tip that they got was was very solid because they because they were there at Vanderbilt. It was, this wasn't like, oh, hey, you know, I heard from right, right. You know, I, I heard from um, Ferris's cousins, sisters, blah 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 yeah, blah blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, know, you know, told us this. So that was a solid tip, but they, but they had to they had to uh, to, to lock it down. Ken had made a call to to a lawyer here in town who had represented McNair on some stuff. It, he had had the information and confirmed it for him. And then and then they went to the police. And, and I, I think that's a that's a good lesson here in you know, reporting to be able to have those kind of deep ties in and be able to to be able to, to call all around a story. But everybody in the world is chasing this story. Corey's going to talk about kind of how Channel Two did it. They, they think they called him. He was he was out in the middle, of, uh, having a Saturday afternoon, because <laughs> this thing happened on a weekend. You know, the Tennessean was chasing it too. I was talking to Kate Howard, who was a reporter there. She's now up in Louisville. She runs a, a great thing called the Kentucky Center for Investigative Reporting. Kate was uh, was a cops reporter for the Tennessean, who was out buying. <laughs> <laughs> buying food for a cookout she was supposed to have that never happened yeah. because she got pulled onto it she and uh jamie Sero and chris chris etchegary were the reporters on that so they started they started chasing down those details uh they got it a little bit after nate and ken had gotten it and then everybody else in town starts kind of you know it all just just starts starts to 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 descend on it but the the sourcing on it becomes really interesting in the days afterwards as you're trying to, as you're trying to kind of find the, the threads and, and kind of what's relevant about McNair's life and, and who he was with. And I was talking to one reporter who, had, who had, had talked to Steve Ford, who was the owner of Losers and Owns Losers and Winners, but at that time also owned Blue Moon, where McNair had been drinking the night before um, and confirmed some of the details and the hours going up to it it just became such a monster story that if you want to go back and you you can you find all the clips online now uh it really is uh just one of the most consuming local news stories i've seen in, in quite some time
0: well and i think it's also like you you put all of it together it's the star quarterback in the biggest sport on a national holiday with a little bit of controversy mixed in like it's sort of it checks every single box of like what makes a story huge right like when you start looking at the the gravity of a story and you combine all those things and Corey will talk about this and sort of he had his own approach to how he wanted to cover it and how he thought the right way to cover it was and I think there is a lot of personal decision making that goes into and sort of what is your role right like Corey's role on television during a sports cast and during a newscast is different than, Nate's role in all of this, right? Like there's just, there's very different sort of roles in all of this. And so I think it's important to keep all of that in mind. That's a but great layout by you of what the day looked like.
1: You know, the, the next day, the, the Tennesseans entire front page is essentially, it has the giant headline across the top of it, McNair slain. And they did, they did two stories out there. One was the, was the Kate Howard and others uh, kind of nuts and bolts story. And then David Clymer wrote the, wrote the obit. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to if you haven't had a chance to read this in a while, go Climber is a climber is a fantastic writer, uh, but it's worth going back and, and reading that obit because of the way he's able to weave in all of the context of McNair's life from this small town Mississippi kid who makes good in the NFL, who, you know, kind of his ties to Nashville, kind of the, the acrimonious sort of departure from Nashville, but then Nashville re-embracing him and, and, right, right. and, and all of that. It's a great piece of journalism, and Climber was really one of the best at doing that kind of work.
0: Well, let's let's go ahead and hear from Corey Curtis, of course, WKRN News Two uh, Sports Director, who was again called in, literally from like a shopping outing with his wife, to go into the studio and cover this for like you said, six weeks straight, essentially. So Corey Curtis, we had a great great conversation with him. You'll hear a bunch of stuff about the day that it happened, the weeks and months afterward, as well as some of the, of course, some of the overriding um, market forces in television, which we can't obviously have a TV guy on and not talk about with him. So we had to do that as well. Uh, following the interview, we'll give you recommendations like we normally do, but we will also have a quick conversation about the Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols thing that happened at ESPN this week. We feel obligated to comment the kerfuffle. on that. Yeah, we, we, we uh, feel obligated to offer our unsolicited opinions, of course, on the show. So <laughs> without further ado, here was our conversation with the great and wonderful and always gracious Corey Curtis of News 2. Corey, welcome to the show, man. Always a pleasure to see your face. We, we wanted to have you on for a lot of different reasons. You guys have done some really interesting and, and cool stuff with how you've evolved through the COVID situation, but, but also television evolving into the digital world. I think you've done a lot of interesting stuff with that. So we're going to get to a lot of what you guys have done and sort of how your career has evolved as, as sort of a sports director, but also you were on the, you know, boots on the ground covering, of course, the biggest event on 4th of July in this city's history, 12 years yeah. ago, uh, on the 4th of July, Steve McNair passing away. And and I, we wanted to not re litigate or rehash or relive the situation, but maybe what can we learn about how to cover uh, an incident that is so serious and, and sort of you have to be so careful about it. So let's just kind of start with where were you when you found out yes. and sort of what was your, what were your marching orders as soon as you learned that, that there's a chance that Steve McNair might have have, have died on July 4th, um, you know, over a decade ago.
2: Well, it's one of those moments I'll never forget. My wife and I were driving to the Green Hills mall to go shopping. And I got a call from work that said Steve McNair um, we're hearing was involved in a shooting and we didn't know if he, you know, what his role was in that shooting in that time. And my wife just looked at me and said, do we need to get you in? And I'm like, well, I'm not dressed at all for it, but yeah. And so she drove me into work and then she went back home, got my clothes. And by the time she had gotten back to the station, the news had crossed that that Steve had been shot and had been killed. And it was it was one of those things that was stunning and you really had to compartmentalize and figure out what's the most important thing right now and, and, and start getting to it. And I had to get on the set and start talking about Steve McNair um, and, and everything that had happened and Steve's legacy and, and all those things. Um, and, and then we had to start figuring out how to tell the story. And from there, there was obviously a lot of work to be done.
1: It puts it puts someone like you who is who was a sports person in an interesting position because I guess I guess you were, you came on air after it it had already been definitively reported, but mm-hmm. like but all the all the the pieces of that story had nothing to do with sports. All the sourcing is cops and lawyers and and people mm-hmm. sort of around the periphery there. Uh, and how do you how do you approach a situation like that? And and, and was it just was it just tell the, the bare facts? Was it, were you reaching out to people behind, kind of off air to try to get perspective or to try to get more detail? How, how, how did all that work?
2: Well, you guys know when you work for an organization, whether it be radio, television, or newspaper, or or internet now, um, you're a team. And, and everybody has to do their share. My job was to offer the expertise about Steve McNair, the football player, the person, the legacy um, you know what? You know the city's reaction might be. You know, from a fan perspective, team reaction might be from a perspective. But I, I mean, I know uh, to talk about what kind of team it was. One of our photographers um, was one who got a call from a police source who said, "Hey, this is this is going down." And so, I mean, it wasn't one of our reporters; it was one of our photographers who was the first to find out, and you know, definitively that that he was dead. And so, you know, then you had to start working on confirming it and that as you say that wasn't necessarily my job my job was at that point to talk about steve the football player steve the legacy start getting a hold of the titans and former teammates in which you know i started i had craig johnson his quarterback's coach for a long time he was at the station within an hour or two um to talk to me about that i i it runs all together um i don't know if it was that afternoon or the next day i had to sit down with with eddie george that went national because, you know, he's Eddie and, and he broke down in tears over a guy who he shares a major legacy with. And, you know, from that point, you started to want to have the people who knew him best talk about his legacy more than me. And we were fortunate that people were willing to do that through what became almost a haze for about a month. I mean, I've, I've never had been through a city that seemed to be through a fog and a depression, like this one was over that. And it was, it was remarkable the way everything almost felt like it just stopped.
1: Did, did you break it to anybody? When you were, when you started calling around to Titans and personnel and other people, I mean, I get the the, the story was such a, just sort of an explosion and and going around so quick, but oftentimes, you, you end up breaking news to people when you're calling, yeah. asking for a reaction. Did you run into any, any of that?
2: I, I think Craig was at the movies when I told him and, you know, I, I'd known Craig really well. And so, you know, I, 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 I'm trying, it was 12 years ago. I'm yeah. trying to remember it. And I, I remember like, Hey, um, I don't know how to tell you this, but you know, this is what we're hearing happened. And, you know, obviously emotional for, for him as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, especially for a sports guy, like you're talking about. And, and by the way, that was brought up. And I always like to say, we're all news people. We just do news about sports. Okay. And sometimes sports evolves into other things. And I always say that this is the reason I do sports, because I don't enjoy those moments, particularly where we have to cover such tragedy, but tragedy makes its way into every avenue of our society. So that that is inevitable. But yeah, I, I believe it was with Craig that i had to 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 share that news and and there could have been another one or two but but i can't remember right now it just i just remember every phone call was difficult because you didn't know if they knew and then you didn't know how they were going to react if they did
0: what did you write the first moment you went on the air to say it like what what, what what did you limit it to and what was your focus on in those like Again, in TV, you guys don't get a whole lot of time to filibuster about Steve McNair, the guy or his college career or, or whatever.
2: Well, in this case, I did because I didn't we, I came on the set and we had news people on the set and I was basically an analyst. Um, I was a guest. You know, I was there to fill information. I was there to answer questions about Steve and to talk about him. So it, it was probably a good two or three hours before I actually wrote something down. Um, It was just me, you know, covering the Titans as heavily as we do in our station, because at that time we'd been doing the coaches show, you know, and we'd done the preseason games and sports extra. and, And we were really heavily involved with the Titans. And that was also a different time when the team was more open to us being A part of it. I mean, it's not the same anymore at all. And so, I, you know, my bosses would always ask me about doing like preseason games when I did them. You know, are you worried about filling the time? And I'm like, guys, I could talk about the Titans for seven straight hours by myself. It's (laughs) it's not a big deal. So for me to go up there and talk about Steve was not a big deal. And I I think one of the, I I think what I remember talking about the most, what what rings true to me most, is Jeff Fisher's celebrity softball game. Do we remember that? It was, I believe three days before the shooting and Steve played in it. And I remember sitting on the dugout at Greer Stadium talking with Steve about his oldest son in Mississippi and how excited he was and how proud he was of him um, for the football player that he was becoming down there in the in the kind of the little niche that he was kind of carving for himself. And then of course his two boys here. And you know I, I still remember that conversation. I still remember sitting on that dugout. I still remember looking at him. I still remember the calm and in the proud tone to his voice and then just the shocking detail of three days later that he, that he's murdered. And and I'm talking about it. I mean, I still, I still get choked up about it. I mean, he's, he's a dad. We're all dads. Right. And, and it's, it's tough. Let
1: me, let me ask a, a super basic technical question here. If you're on your way to the Green Hills mall and (laughs) you all of a sudden have to go be on air. What do you do? Do you run home for clothes? Do you keep oh. something at the, uh, at the station? You know what, what do you have to be presentable that quickly?
2: I, I usually have a spare shirt, a spare tie there. I keep all my sport coats at work now because I never need them for home. So I just <laughs> leave them all there. But, but on that day, I didn't have anything. Uh, and, and I literally, my wife sprinted home and came back with a suit and tie for me. And I remember Joe Dubin was working with us then and he was on the set until I got dressed and then I got on the set. Um, because, yeah, cause I mean, you know, I was wearing like Bermuda shorts and a tank top or something and you can't, <laughs> I mean, it, well, I don't know. I mean, it's July 4th. Don't we all wear tank tops <laughs> yes. out? Of cookout? And, 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 and you know, you look, there's, there's a time when you bend rules, but when someone's been murdered, you, you don't disrespect the situation by showing up uh, like you just came from a cookout.
1: Well, and you guys weren't, you guys weren't the, the the full body shots weren't as in vogue in Oh nine as they were now. Were you behind yeah. a desk?
2: Yes, we had, a, we we were on the old set, which was our newsroom. And so we had a set and quite often I used to do sports in my shorts or in blue jeans. Cause you, you could not see them that day. I'm pretty certain I had the whole ensemble on, but yeah. Um, now everybody has full body shots for, for everything it,
0: that, that is, a, it's an interesting point you make. Cause I, even in Nashville and in media, certainly business casual has evolved, right? Like even just mm-hmm. the phrase like Nashville business casual is like jeans with cowboy boots and like, maybe your shirt's tucked in. Maybe it's not, it's, it's a very, we have a very laissez faire approach to sort of like business casual. Um, and I think in the media it's changed a lot as well. You see so many television shows now across a lot of different networks where, Sort of sitting in a lounge chair wearing a, a, a you know a polo shirt is, to- is totally acceptable, but it, I had never thought about that because I'm a big believer in sort of like it doesn't really matter what you wear as long as you, your content is good and your delivery mm-hmm. is sound and you're articulate and you know you kind of hit all your marks, but there is a time and a place to 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 show respect and yep. and and I hadn't really thought about that before, but that's definitely not one of those times where. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to push the rules or whatever on those kind of things. I hadn't, I had never even thought about that actually.
2: Yeah. I wouldn't even have showed up in, in a polo for that in the, in that situation. Um, I mean, should I used to wear a full suit on the sideline for all the, the, when I started doing sidelines for the Titans. Um, and, and then they basically made me put a polo on for the last three years, <laughs> but, but I, I'm, I've, I've always been a big believer in being overdressed rather than underdressed
0: it's funny I'm, a, I'm the opposite i'm a big believer in being underdressed <laughs>
2: <For> <laughs> oh believe me i love shorts and a t-shirt i hate to wear shoes but so, so,
0: so I, i've done a lot of you mentioned like you could have talked for like seven or eight hours you had to talk a lot that day for for that particular topic and sort of uh, sort of just filibustering at some point kind of off the cuff off the top of your head knowledge of of the situation you're not doing like a scripted segment with like no. cuts to this or cuts to that and, and I'm curious, this doesn't really have to do with Steve, although obviously we've we've sort of had to litigate a lot of extra stuff with McNair post, you know, posthumously. But I'm, I'm just curious, because I've dealt with this, you know, being on the air when Kobe Bryant passed or, mm-hmm. you know, when Tiger Woods dies, yeah. whenever that day comes, there will be very complicated conversations about imperfect mm-hmm. human beings. Yep. Do you have a personal stance on like when, where, how's the right time to have some of those conversations? Because there, there are certain people that want to have them right away. There are certain people that yeah. don't want to have them right away. What is your stance on that?
2: Well, I think the first thing you've got to re- understand is that, that a husband and a father, um, regardless of what he did, um, was murdered and is dead. And, and he's not coming back. And for those people, um, particularly his children and his parents, I mean, that loss is, is a loss. And, and I think that there is time to be Um, respectful of that, Um, there would be time. And I I don't, you know, the news cycle is so much quicker now and people are on to the next thing so much faster now. Um, You know, I'd say today it would probably be two hours later. Um, But back then it was like next day or two days later, you could start talking about things. But I I think certainly um, you had to address the crime that was committed, number one. And then Honor the legacy of uh, you know a guy who is still you know I I talk about pillars of Nissan Stadium. He's he's a pillar of Nissan Stadium, and you know when when you ask fans here to name five Tennessee Titans, Steve McNair is probably first on what ninety percent of their lists. I mean, it's going to be Steve. It's going to be Eddie. It's going to be Derek, right? I mean, that's Javon. These are the names that are going to pop off people's tongue. Which 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 Derek. Yeah, D- Derek Henry. Yeah. <laughs> Which Isaiah?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, i I just you. You you bring up a great point about today's news cycle versus yeah. even even just 12 years ago when he died. Oh, it's, it's I, I don't think I don't think there was any room for that kind of conversation with McNair in, in that time. But with with an athlete today that we have, sort of their entire life so work. Like we're all imperfect, right? We we all have yep. these flaws. But I'm just I just I was just curious, like in 2021, what, what should be the industry standard on, you know, again, even with Kobe, there were some people that would call into my show and make sure we talked about the other stuff. Yeah. And, and a lot of people didn't want to talk about that at that moment. And, and I mm-hmm. was very torn. Honestly, I did not know what was the right balance to strike between r- reporting on the tragedy, to your point about the in- the incident in, in the moment but also then scaling back and having time to discuss the whole of the person and the individual. And, and again, when's the right time to do that? I didn't know, honestly. Well,
2: look, people need time to mourn. They do. There's, there, you, you have the rest of your life to dissect what this person did right and wrong in their life. And g- give them a day or two to mourn the passing of someone who was very important to a lot of people. I mean, if you want to be mad at them after that, then go ahead. Sure. But, but at least I would say, give the respect to, to those that cared about him um, at that point.
1: It was interesting as I was going back through, it's kind of consuming kind of all the clips uh, from that, from that era, from the broadcast stations and from, from the newspapers, from the city paper and the, and the Tennessean and the Nashville post, who I think ended up breaking the story. Um, the, the, one of the things I was struck about is, you know, it's, it's really hard. It like that kind of reporting in the minute is really hard to do. And you want to be careful about what you're saying at that moment.
2: Yeah. Uh, We, we held back. I mean, we had it and we, 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 we I think like triple sourced it before we would go on the air with it.
1: The uh, it, it was interesting down in a Tennessean story. I came across this and I, and I, I found this really interesting, uh, these two graphs, it's near the end of uh, kind of their main story. It says Kelly McCracken and her fiance drove an hour from their home in, in Hopkinsville after learning of McNair's death. She said she wanted to pay her respects to the football hero and let his family know what, that he was loved. I, I think that's a natural sort of fan reaction. And then she has this quote Anyone can get famous, said McCracken, who attends five or more Titans games a year, but it takes a genuinely moral person to be a leader. He wasn't just a football player, he was a leader. And I found that kind of fascinating to see that kind of quote in. For what was I mean? We know the coverage that was going to come out over the next month, you mm-hmm. know, about kind of his relationship with, uh, with the other person involved in the in the murder suicide, with kind of kind of his kind of double life and 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 all the stuff that was going to happen. What do you? what do you keep in kind of in your head when you're, when you've got a big story like that, that's breaking, you know, is you, do you you say I'm going to keep it between these lines or do do you want to try to be as wide as possible? How do you kind of approach that?
2: Well, I think number one, I want to tell the truth. Um, I want to tell the truth. Um, I want to be respectful, you know, like I said, and I think that there's a time and a place, you know, for absolutely everything, but I don't want to, you know, bury something under the rug and pretend it didn't happen. Okay. You know, moral, probably not the best choice of words. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm when not when trying you, to pick on at... the Tennesseean
1: reporters there either. No, that's what somebody said. Yeah. That's what somebody said. It's a, it's a hard, you know, you know, these things are 2020 here, you know, mm. 12 years later.
2: I mean, and again, that's the whole thing of uh, what, and I know there are people who like will forever be unforgiving, of, of what happened, of, w- of what he did. And I get it. I do. I, I totally get it. Uh, I have a lot of personal feelings about the whole situation that, that are mine. Um, but the one thing I do know is this, what he did was not a death penalty offense. Okay. And that, that's what we all need to keep in mind is what he did not deserve to die for, for what happened. And, you know, three young men lost a father over it. And, you know, many people, lost a friend in an entire city, lost an icon. And I think those are the things that you have to kind of keep in perspective. Um, but like I said, without ignoring what happens, but it, but it doesn't have to be the whole story.
0: Do, do you have any thoughts, comments, complaints about sort of the reliving of it all every year? Um, I struggled to sort of like, what, what's the new way to look at this same story, pay it justice, do it service, acknowledge that he is a human being and perfect in all of his good things. And, and, and as we've talked about some of the other things, Uh, but but every year we all kind of cover it again. We all kind of, we're doing it right now on this interview. Mm -hmm. Is there anything about that coverage that, you know, you really enjoy that you appreciate that you actually are critical of, and you don't have to name names here. I'm just sort of curious, or you can an, name names if you want, know, or you can name <laughs> as an industry. Do you see us doing anything we should do better or that we, that we, that you really like that we do every single year reliving this because there's been podcasts about it. There's mm. been all kinds of stuff. that's covered it. And I'm just, I'm just curious what your response to 12 years of sort of every year reliving the same thing.
2: Well, look, I mean, the reason we relive it is because like I said, he's an icon in this town. If he wasn't an icon, I mean, Rob Gronkowski was a great kicker for this team for a long time. We don't relive his death every year, right? We don't. Um, it, was a, it was a tragic accident, um, but it's not something we relive every year. We relive this because he's one of the greatest titans of all time. Um, it is one of the biggest news stories ever to happen in this city um, since I've been here for 20 years. Um, what do I remember? We did nothing but Steve McNair stories and weather for three straight days. Every story we did in news was Steve McNair related for three straight days. That's the four to five, the five to five 30, the six to six 30, the 10 to 10 30, the four to 7 a.m. It was all Steve McNair for three days before we moved on. That's how many different avenues we were going down telling stories about what happened, about Steve McNair, about his legacy, about the people he's touched. Because there were so many amazing stories about the people that he emotionally touched and had a positive influence on, Um, you know, obviously there's the side, that's the negative um, influence, but there were so many people that came forward with just heartfelt stories about the things you never heard about that Steve McNair did when nobody was looking that were very, very good. And I remember, you know, hearing all those stories and just doing nothing but a story about one guy for three days. I mean, that, that was kind of like, you know, 9-11, you did nothing but 9-11, obviously, for days and days and days. This is the only other time I can remember that here.
1: I, you know, it's interesting. I, I can imagine trying to do sort of back-to-back half-hour broadcasts on this every you know, <laughs> four and then at five and then at six. Four to seven, yeah. that, that morning block, yeah. I cannot imagine trying to trying to fill that air at that hour Mm-hmm. with i mean with nothing new i mean there's nothing that would have happened essentially since 108 no but you reach out before. to
2: to new people and you get new stories and, and new you know new new branches of his legacy uh, yep. and and that's and that's what a lot of that time was
0: lame stream is brought to you steve by... jasper is that in honor of the english soccer club uh no that's more of a copa america style kind okay. of thing okay. uh mm-hmm. which is also I agree which
1: is also going on right now uh go argentina beat brazil um <laughs>
0: but uh i don't know it, who to root for in the euro championship between england and italy i don't particularly like either one of them <laughs> well but it, it, somebody yes, england i don't know
1: there's a, there's a great, uh, there's a great, uh, Twitter account, uh, called nutmeg radio that you should, you should, you should follow, uh, if if you're into soccer and he put out a thing, uh, the other day, he said, he said, everyone can print this out and sign this. And it says, quote, just because I am a fan of players who play in England does not mean I am supporting the English national team
0: <laughs> signed your name here. Right. right. Uh, and I think a lot of people feel that way uh, about it. I mean, country over club is okay in European soccer. I believe that the English public found that out from the Danish keeper uh, this week during some media availability. Go to Jaspers if you would like to watch the Euro Cup final on this, this weekend, I believe on Sunday at 2 o'clock. So make sure you S- go to Sunday Jasper's. at 2
1: o'clock, uh, Copa America final is Saturday night at, I think, seven, 6 or 7 o'clock. You got um, U.S.
0: Gold Cup, right, this weekend, too? So. US,
1: U.S. Gold Cup starts... Sunday evening, I believe.
0: Uh, starts Sunday
1: evening, I think is is like right after uh, I'm 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 gonna have to go back and look up the time. Yeah, but
0: e- either way, what you do I'll is be watching. you show up, you show up at Jasper's basically Saturday, and you don't leave until Sunday night. I don't know if they'll let you sleep there because the park, but the parking is free. So in theory, the you parking can sleep is in your free, car. So you could sleep in your car. <laughs> and then show back up and just start boozing it up again, watching soccer all weekend. Great happy hour, great food. We love Jaspers, of course. Jaspers they-
1: will let you sleep it off in the car. <laughs>
0: in our parking lot for free and we won't tow you Uh, i actually we don't know if that's true maybe they will i don't know um so that being said we we constantly allude to jaspers as the next evolution of the sports bar because they are continuing to evolve constantly and we alluded to this earlier in the show there there's now going to be alcoholic desserts at jaspers now they've got regular desserts that they're that are brand new homemade ice cream sandwiches yum uh, a lot of really cool stuff on the dessert menu that's all brand new for summertime to kind of cool you down in the heat. They've got a lot of frozen drinks, right? They've got the froze, they they've got the cold fashion, they've got a bunch of really good stuff. They are combining those two things for those of us who like sugar and booze into an alcoholic dessert. The froze and the cold fashion will now be available in popsicle form.
1: Jaspers, evolving to fight climate change with something cold for you.
0: Alright, so we've got parking lot epidemic, we've got bad happy hour epidemic, we've got bad shitty bar food epidemic, and now they're fighting climate change with a popsicle? Well, I mean... <laughs> that might know, be a bit of a stretch. <laughs> they're, they're fighting the heat. That's true. That's coming
1: from climate change. Okay, there you go. <laughs> they're not I mean, actually reducing greenhouse gases with their, uh, with their popsicle.
0: And this is not like some college kid jello shot dorm room. This is the next... Evolution of the alcoholic popsicle. That's exactly right. Craft <laughs> popsicles, Steve. It's not like
1: a this is not like a bush a bushwhacker that's been left in the fridge too long or freezer too long. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: I'm 50-50 on bushwhackers anyway, so
0: yeah, that's disgusting. Uh, I need to be in a really good mood, generally after five other drinks. Uh, which is like the worst possible time to have a bushwhacker. Um, (laughs) um, No, but look, look, you you sit on the patio, you watch a little soccer in the afternoon, you have a great meal, you're feeling a little hot afterward after after a meal. You know, I get a little sweaty after you eat a, a nice big meal. Get yourself a boozy, get yourself a boozy popsicle, take the edge off and take the heat off. What do you get the meat sweats? I mean, it's not an unusual thing for humans. I'm, I'm very excited about this. I, I can't wait to try
1: the popsicles. Maybe I'll try them during the Copa America final.
0: Yes, I have not tried them yet either, but I'm going to. Uh, can't wait to get there. So go to Jasper's. Free parking. Great menu. The next evolution of the sports bar that has evolved now to include alcoholic popsicles. It's just, they just, what, what will they think of next, Steve? Jasper's. Tune in and find out. <laughs> So I, I want to present, because I think this is the, you know, I had to do some work this weekend um, and I was, my, the, the big, the big focus for me was like, right, well, what's, what, what is going to advance this story? What can I say that is compelling and interesting? What, what conversation can we have about this topic, the, the passing of Steve McNair, that hasn't already been said before? And and we kind of stumbled on one that, I, I, that, that I, I think, and I'd love to get your your thoughts on this, you and I have talked a lot, Corey, about revision and Steve too, about revisionist fandom, right? Generally, it's it's a very looking backwards, incorrect, inaccurate view of of history. We we look Ooh. back and we see why wasn't Derrick Henry getting more carries under Matt LaFleur in the first five weeks of the season. Well, it's because he sucked and then he had a talk with Eddie George and then was benched, and then he became a different player. He was on the trade block. Right. Like why wasn't, you know, why didn't the Miami dolphins see Ryan Tannehill coming? It's like, well, John Robinson didn't see Ryan Tannehill coming. So let's be honest here. That to me is revisionist fandom. Generally it's a negative. It, It, you know, we're sort of lying to ourselves about what happened in the past. I, I actually could argue that one of the few times that revisionist fandom has been helpful and maybe more accurate than reality in the moment is with Steve McNair because he was booed at that stadium. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there were people that did not like the fact that Steve McNair was the starting mm-hmm. quarterback at times. And I think now, even though we have been robbed of 12 years of Steve McNair appearances in the community and all the things that he would have been like Eddie George, like Keith Bullock, like Derek Mason, all these guys we've been robbed of that. But I do think that the revisionist fandom in this particular instance has course corrected on Steve McNair to some degree. I think his growth and legacy actually does match what he was on the field. And I'm not sure we appreciated as a city, what he was on the field in the moment, because don't look at the statistics like that's not going to, that's not going to tell you the story. Does that, does that make sense at all? I know it's long winded. I got it.
2: No, I I wasn't here those first couple of years um, when people wanted, was it Chris Chandler or Neil O'Donnell at that point to be playing? I
0: think Neil O'Donnell was chanted. Okay. I think there was a chant that Neil O'Donnell should be starting.
2: Yeah. And 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 so look, yeah, I, I understand. My know, I know this. Steve got him to the Super Bowl, and at that point, you know, Steve was the man. And I still I still look at that last drive, even though they didn't score, is one of the greatest things I've ever seen was the performance McNair put on that final drive. But but yeah, I mean there's there's a Reno Hightower quality to Steve's legacy now. Remember, you remember Kurt Russell, he said, how many touchdown passes did I actually throw in that game? Cause they said six and it was, it was two or three, um, um, but it grows. And look, players like Steve and Eddie, um, you know, cause you could look at Eddie and look one year of his career here. He averaged three yards a carry That's 3.9, 3.0. Okay. 3.0. That's not great, but he's still a pillar. And, you know, understanding that those guys carried the weight of the franchise on their shoulders when they came to this new small market and, and they carried it and they did it and they, and they embraced the town and a town that didn't always embrace them, as you said. Um, I do think it's great. And, I, and I, 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 you know, the fact that they're still on the sides of the building to me is, is tremendous because being a new franchise, you know, it's still only 20 years here. You know, I know it's not a new franchise, but we're a new city. 22 years or so we don't have a lot of history they're it and it's nice for that history to be so revered and, and i think it has gone in that direction
1: and and i think that revisionist fandom wiped out those ravens the, the him in <laughs> a raven's uniform in a way that that was tough i mean that was hard to, that was hard to see i was i, I was living al- elsewhere um, watching, watching the Ravens pep far.
2: rally before the playoff game. That oh my showed gosh. Up to?
1: I mean, that just, that was, that was hard. That was hard to see as a blasphemy. As, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 and the revisionism has, has kind of completely blank spotted that in most people's memory.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, they did trade him. He didn't ask to be traded, right? He was traded. So, you know, they, they, they created that situation themselves. And so um, can fans be forgiving? You know, absolutely. Because I didn't know if they were ever going to forgive that pep rally and you don't hear anybody talk about it anymore.
0: Yeah. So let, let's talk a little bit about uh, your uh, sort of career and, and your role and sort of how it's evolved over time. I, I, You know, you've been here, you said what, since 2003, correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, in, in the market. And so, uh, number one, just subject matter wise, wise. You've been here, obviously, Preds and and Titans are ahead of you, so you've only been Mm -hmm. here when there's professional sports. I'm curious, subject matter-wise, how has your focus changed over that time? But more importantly, how has delivering that content for you guys as a station, as a team, how has that changed the most over the last 17, 18 years?
2: Well, when I got here, um, Titans was very big, obviously, because 2003 they were still in that Super Bowl window and the stadium was sold out all the time and it was rocket. So we were, and we were the home of the Titans with the coaches show in the preseason games. And so it was very big, but at that time, Tennessee was not that far removed from a national championship and the volunteers ratings were still really large. So our coverage of UT football in particular, you know, reflected what the ratings were. Um, the Preds were new. Um, I think we covered them a little bit harder than than some other stations did because the the audience was very niche, kind of like Nashville SC, you know, right now Um, it's new and it's building. And it's, do you want to wait for it to get big? Or do you want to get in on the ground floor? We kind of tried to get in on the ground floor at the time, but as time has gone on um, and Tennessee has struggled, um, you know, the, the coverage of the Vols has waned because the other thing that struggled is my time. (laughs) <laughs> when i got here i had three minutes at six and four and a half minutes at 10 i have 90 seconds at six and two minutes at 10 now so i have to pick and choose very carefully what goes into my sports gas. you know sports extra is obviously something different but for the on the daily basis you know i have to pick and choose and so how many words is that i have no <laughs> idea it's it, it can be one story it can be I can get five stories or six even in there sometimes if I have to, it could be like <laughs> old headline sports on CNN. Yeah, yeah. I can zip through it. Um, but I mean, I mean, the bottom line is now is if there's a chance to put the Titans on, that's what I'm going to do because that the ratings bear it out. That is what moves the meter over and over again compared to everything else.
1: We, we've talked We've talked with a lot of people here in market about kind of, the role of sports on a broadcast, what are you looking to, who are you looking to reach uh, when, when that viewer comes in <sighs> at five or six or at 10, because as a, as a sports consumer, I mean, I know that the, the phone that I'm holding in my hand is, is delivering me this stream of mm-hmm. you know, highlights and, and, you know, scores and, and, and whatever else, what are you trying, what are you trying to do in that, you know, in that, you know, three and a half minutes a day?
2: Well, Steve, I can obviously say the same thing about news and weather. Okay. You know how many times in my career I've heard, why do we need sports? We have ESPN. Why do we need weather? We have the weather channel. We have weather.com. I can, I can look up the weather instantly, anytime I want it. People still want that personal connection. They, they want that personal connection from someone to tell them what's going on. Now, I also understand who's watching the news. It's a, it's a different audience than the one that's watching their mobile phone most of the time. Um, and they're not always the diehard sports fan. And so I, I have to understand that as well. And my goal is always a simple one. It's to make people smarter. Okay. I, I try to, to help them understand like NIL. I mean, my gosh. I, I try to pound home what this is all about over and over again so that they can actually have an educated opinion about it or, or decision about it. It doesn't have to be mine, but, but I want them to have all the facts and all the information that, that, they, that I can to them so that they can make a really good decision about that. And so, you know, I have to make it really simple and I have to make it really fast. And I have to pretend that the person has no idea what I'm talking about and simplify it on those terms
0: what's interesting is throughout my entire career as a radio guy we've always I've known a ton of TV people and there's always sort of like the oh that's the TV guy question in the in the press conference because you're trying to fill that exact need to that exact exact audience 15 seconds right and and what's fascinating about most of you that I've gotten to know and worked around is that most of you can do radio basically better than most radio hosts can do it and what I find interesting is I've worked with you personally I've worked with a few other people in the market as well but when you do get that 30 minutes of digital space or that 45 mm-hmm. minutes of digital space you get to do something totally different and you're exercising mm-hmm. a totally different part of your your brain yeah. and your skill set so sort of how did uh, how did all those properties your digital properties how did you guys come up with the ideas and and, and sort of finely tune them and maybe get forced into having to do some of those, those shows? And, and how, how is Sports Extra? How has that become the thing that you guys are, are doing right now?
2: Well, I always like to say, Braden, that I have things that need to be said. And unfortunately, <laughs> at 6 and 10, I don't have time to say them. So uh, when I've had the chance to sit in with you for three, four hours and do radio, I love it because I can say I can empty <laughs> the, the crate and empty the bucket and, and, and put it all out there. Um, and so yeah, I mean, now we have a show called Sports Extra Daily, which we do every day, Monday through Friday, from 5 30 till whenever it ends, which is generally about six or six fifteen. Um, and you know, it allows me to give news, you know, for people who want to consume their news a little bit differently, but also be a talk show host. Also, you know, I do feel like I have some working knowledge and and some opinions that may matter. Um, and I'm a, Able to unload those. The other thing that it allows me to do, which the six and the 10 does not allow me to do, allows me to answer questions. You know, we're on Facebook and we're on Twitter, and people can ask me questions as the show goes along and we can answer them. And so you have a direct engagement with your audience and you're able to answer the question, you know, over and over again who's going to be the kicker, um, you know, 900 times. What's wrong with the Preds
0: power play? Tell me. Yeah.
2: I mean, these, you know, it it allows instant engagement with the audience, which is, which is fantastic. It allows us to reach people. You know, I, I, I think one of the exciting things for me, since we've created this show, and we'll get into a second, I guess, about how it got created is we have show regulars now. You know, I see them show up on the feed, you know, I see the names and to know that people have made this show appointment programming for them is very rewarding. Because, it, you know, you always want to feel like the work that you do with, you know, this show, you, you're always looking. Yes, you want to see how many you know, hits you get on it because that's what pays the bills. But more than anything, it, it's a reflection of that you're worth listening to. And, you know, it's nice to know that there are people who think my words, my information is worth listening to. And so, so I enjoy that. And Sports Extra, the other show, is, it's, it's kind of just an expanded sports cast. There's a little bit of that talk in there. But more than anything, it's a chance for us to actually do a show about sports and not just 90 seconds.
0: And all that and all of that stuff came about because 2020 was totally a
2: normal year. <laughs> yeah. Like 2020, normal. COVID-19 hit. And like I said about Steve McNair and 9-11, I should have thrown in COVID-19. All we did was COVID-19 stories. And the draft was coming up and free agency was happening in the NFL. And I tried telling my boss, I'm like, look, I understand COVID-19 is this massive story and we need to cover it, but people do want to hear about something else. They do get overdosed on this story and NFL free agency is a season in itself, which to some people is almost as exciting as the regular season. And we, we have to get that information out there. And I was still told absolutely not. So I fired up my phone at five thirty every day. And I just said, I'm going to, and I put it, the message out to everyone. I'm going to do, sports talk every day at 530 and we're going to go over the stories of the day because I can't do them on the news. and so that started and then I was off on Friday and Saturday and so I told Emily and Kayla, uh, Emily proud and Kayla Anderson work with me, go on the air at 530 on Facebook and Twitter okay go on the air and do a sports cast And so they started doing it and then Cal Baxter, who's our producer photographer who I've worked with since 2003, Um, and is one of those a type personalities who gets a hold of something and absolutely cannot let it go until he's got it the way he wants it. Um, just like his hair right now. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. That's a whole story in itself. But so, so he, you know, didn't want it to be a phone show. You know, he found the software for us to do it. You know, we all do it, you know, from our desk, from our computer, we all have a camera on our phone. Now we all have, headset like you've got and, and everything uh we have graphics we are able to put in video we're able to put in sound um now we have some technical difficulties that we're still we're in the infancy of this so we've got some hurdles that we're trying to overcome but you know it's an exciting time to do something and you know we did it out of necessity and to say and, and i've been bringing up to my boss for a couple of years that we need to do an internet talk show and he was like he's like yeah it's a great idea it's a great idea but he never wanted, he knew we worked a lot. He knew we did a lot. He didn't want to burden us. And so I didn't even ask him this time. We just did it. And we just, we just launched this show. And so after about three weeks of it, you know, he loved it because for the station, it's 30 minutes of programming a day that costs them $0 <laughs> to put on and that they can potentially sell to, to advertisers. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a win for us because it gives us another avenue and it allows us to connect with the audience. It's a win for the station because, you know, it's another potential avenue to sell. Um, so what, it's, it's a what win-win. Was,
1: what was the threshold that he had to see or that his bosses had to see in order to go, that thing, that <laughs> thing right there is, is something that we want to be in the business of doing? I mean, was well, it, was it, did you see like Facebook numbers or did you see the just kind of engagement
0: response or what, what did you see? A little bit of common sense about the internet, you know?
2: Well, I, I think engagement for me is a huge metric And when, when the audience is engaged and I have, you know, 50, 60, 70 comments, you know, those, those are great days, you know, you know when, when basically I don't have to do anything for the show, except to answer questions, you know, those are days where I'm like, wait, this show really really worked today. And the, the difficulty we have right now with that show is, um, you know, obviously this show is recorded and then launched and people, people go to it. We have a better live reception to it and that's on Facebook and Twitter. And then it gets posted to WKRN.com. It's also live on WKRN.com, but it gets posted to WKRN.com after that. And they would like to see the bulk of the numbers come to the com because that's where they can sell it. And I'm like, well, the best way for us to reach people is through Facebook and Twitter. And so that's kind of a tug of war we're having right now. And, you know, the show's future is, is going to change. I mean, it's inevitable. I mean, everything changes so fast right now. Um, so it's inevitable that it's going to change. But I would hate to take away uh, that ability to interact with the audience in, in the immediate time of the show. That, that's, to me, what makes the show work.
0: Well, I think that just about does it. Corey, thank you so much, man. Uh, the, keep doing the, the, the work, man. The product is great. And we appreciate you giving us some time to sort of relive some history here. Um, like I said, it even it's very meta talking to you about what we should be talking about while reliving a, a story, trying to make sure that we're reliving it correctly. So, so It's hard. Th- thank you so much, Corey, for your time. We do appreciate it.
2: No, I appreciate it. And uh, if you do tune into Sports Extra Daily, which I would appreciate, just understand that if it's a technical difficulty, it's probably my fault.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Corey. Thanks, Corey. Special thanks to Corey Curtis, of course, of News 2, sports director WKRN. And they've done a lot of really cool, interesting things with their digital property, sort of out of necessity during the pandemic. But they've got a lot of really good people, people we've had on this show, Emily Proud before, uh, Kayla Anderson, and he mentioned uh, the, the Cal Baxter is a friend of ours, friend of the pod. And so th- yep. there are a lot of good people doing good work. I, the Steve McNair stuff, I find fascinating, Steve, because I have, and I, I said this during the interview, I, I find it very difficult not to try to immediately tell the entire story of a person's life a- after they've passed, especially on radio where you have a lot of space to fill or, or, or podcast. And I, I know that's not necessarily the right approach. So I actually have to like control myself and stop... And sort of take a beat and realize that that this is a moment where people are sort of feeling some some pretty strong emotions. And I have a I have a tough time doing that as a you know lowercase J journalist.
1: One of the one of the things I enjoyed going back through this was the really good coverage of uh, of McNair's life. You forget just how just forget how good he was, kind of coming out of college uh, down in that climber obit I was talking about he he mentions that he was averaging 527 yards of offense per game from out, at at Alcorn that's Lamar Jackson stuff i mean it's yeah it, it, you know, it's Lamar Jackson stuff 20 years before yep. Yep. or 25 years before, yep. before Lamar Jackson i mean it's just it, it, it's incredible stuff
0: and i don't think he was i said this during the interview i don't think he was fully appreciated in his heyday we loved him, but I don't think we truly appreciated him. And I think over time that we, we've learned to love him more. And that doesn't happen very often where, where revisionist fandom actually course corrects a little bit.
1: It would be interesting to see uh, this, the, the sort of the what-if game that, that I always play is... What would McNair look like in today's offenses? And, oh, and that God. you could build and scheme for him? And and if you could if you could build and scheme for him in a way that, you know, that didn't get his you know, sternum broken several times like can, he did.
0: Can you imagine I, him running Urban Myers offense at Ohio State?
1: Oh my god! Like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, it'd be you know, it'd be seven hundred yards of offense a game. <laughs> no, it'd it's just, it's just be a track meet.
0: It's insane. My my only anecdote really from the the you know, I was in the media at the time, but like sort of na- like I was working for like Sirius XM and Athlon. and We didn't really cover anything local, and and so I, but I lived downtown, and I could look up for. I had probably ten people at my house for the Fourth of July fireworks because we could see the fireworks from our from my my little tiny apartment and balcony, and we looked up and we saw all these. You know, there's police tape, and we literally were like two blocks from from that apartment, and we saw all the police cars, and we're like, "What is going on? Like, what's happening?" And we turn on the TV, and sure enough, there it is. And and we just, I just, it's one of those moments, like Corey said, you'll just never forget where you were when you found out about nope. what, what happened that day. So, I, um, I
1: was interested. I was interested going back through this to see how many bylines of people are still in the market, and the answer is, I think one. Uh, of the people that were that were writing that originally, you know, only Nate Rao is is still a journalist here in town. Ken is on Glenn Funk's staff, at the DA's office. Kate Howard's in, sure. is in uh, Louisville. A bunch of people are in Atlanta, all doing non-journalism stuff. Kind of highlights sort of the transitory yes. sort of nature yeah. of the business.
0: All right. Well, transitory. Speaking of, we transition, and uh, thank you so much to Corey for giving us so much of his time to sort of relive all of that. And and I, we'll, we'll get to recommendations in a second. But really quickly here, the I, I think it's worth mentioning because it sort of ties in, in my opinion, and sort of my message to folks about this ESPN thing. If you want to read all the details and read the transcript and read the video, you know, listen to the video or the audio or whatever of the Rachel Nichols and Maria Taylor situation at ESPN, please go, go dive into it. That's fine. We're not going to rehash all the details here, but I, I sort of compare this in my opinion, Steven, I compare this to the AP firing a reporter for tweets from high school. I, and, and, you know, in, in this way that I think that we, we sort of media companies are so overtly sensitive to the criticism on like the Twitter sphere. And they just, what, what I think happens is they just get caught up in their own, their own perception of themselves outwardly to other people. That's not even being defined by themselves. And they feel like they have to react somehow in the moment to everything that happens. And the reason I say this about ESPN is there probably is a legitimate beef between Rachel Nichols or Maria Taylor or Rachel Nichols feeling a certain way that she got passed over that Maria Taylor, like I don't think ESPN has a diversity problem. (laughs) I just don't. I see an extremely diverse a group of people all over the, their, their airwaves across the board. I think they have a sensitivity problem to how they are described outwardly in the media. And I think the lesson I have for people is you are probably going to be defined more by what other people say about you than what you say yourself. And that is a really bizarre phenomenon. I don't know how to fix it. Maybe you have an idea. But I could go out and say that I believe X, Y, and Z over and over and over again on every social media platform. But if a bunch of people on Twitter define me as something else, that's probably what people are going to view me as. And I don't know how to fix that. Does that, does that problem make sense to you? Uh, it does a little bit. I, I, viewed it, I viewed it
1: a lot more as ESPN has a corporate culture problem, which is, you know, this is, a, this is an interview. I'm in an interview. This is the, the audio of the Rachel Nicholas thing is like 11 months old. I mean, it's, this is not something that happened kind of last right. week. It's it's from last year's finals is the context of those uh, of those of her original statement, which made me think, why is this kind of coming out now? And, you know, part of it is there's a you know there's contract negotiations going on with Maria Taylor. And so somebody somebody leaked that out right now. I don't know who it was. I don't know how it got out. Uh, I was listening to an interview with Jim Miller. If you haven't read Jim Miller's book, this will kind of foreshadow kind of recommendations here. But he w- he wrote a the, the definitive kind of oral history of, of ESPN, and he was saying that the in ESPN's ability to kind of to kind of keep this from getting out, their inability to keep a dispute like this in house shows just the fracture the fractiousness. Uh, I'm mangling that word uh, <laughs> uh, of what of the relationships. Uh, inside of ESPN, but between top talent, and that's all been exacerbated by the fact that ESPN has had so many cuts here over the last couple of years, as they have leaned more into into rights acquisition, as opposed to right. uh, as as opposed to kind of you know produced news news gathering and 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 kind of news shows. You know, a lot of a lot of people have left ESPN uh, over the last you know five years. And 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 we're familiar with most of them. And you know, I think the last round had you know like Kenny Main and sure. and th- you know three or four other kind of big names. And so within ESPN, there's this kind of competition for these slots and for airtime. And I, I think you're seeing a lot of that in both Nichols' comments. You know, right. I think she said, you know, let her get get a rep someplace else. This is my show. And and in which Taylor- again
0: is a totally normal thing to think about your own show. Like I just don't like. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I mean, I, I, a year ago. I, I So uh, listen, as an employee, I'll be very careful here because uh, I'll break some news here as I've been re-signed by ESPN. So I'm technically an ESPN employee. But my, if I was brought into really high level meetings at ESPN, which I am not going to be. <laughs> but, but if I was, I would say just stiff backbone here, folks. Just say this. Look, this was 11 months ago. We care about Rachel. We care about Maria. We, you know, we'll, we'll look into this, blah, 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 blah. Like, I think it's just outward messaging on this stuff. And this is a media message for all media companies, not just ESPN. Don't, don't bow to the outside pressure of how other people are going to define you. That, that's all. Like, I feel like the reason they had to go on the air and issue these long, winding apologies and, we're gonna really think about ourselves for the next blah blah blah. Like these people know each other for 20 years. They know how good a people they are. If they didn't like each other, we would know about it. And so I, I don't know. I just think I just think media companies need to sort of stand up and just say, No, I don't I don't care what Twitter is saying. We we know who we are and we know what we're doing. I, I don't know. I, I look at it differently than than I kind of come at it from a, a messaging outward angle and you kind of coming at it from a like a business operations angle.
1: Yeah, I, I just think that there's <laughs> ESPN is a is a tough place to work right now. Uh, if you're in, if you're, if you are in Bristol and on TV, it is a it it is a different company than it was three years ago. It was a different company than it was three years before that. And you're seeing some of those, the strains of that echo out in you know stories like this.
0: Well, if you did not know, for example, and this is, goes to speak to my point about how you are defined by the outside. If you are on television at ESPN in Bristol you are probably viewed by a big chunk of Twitter as just a certain political person, right? Like if you didn't know Will Cain and ESPN put Will Cain on a television show, on a radio and on a TV show, you would just, you're just going to automatically label him a certain thing because he works for ESPN, even though Will Cain is the complete opposite of that label, right? So I just think there is an element of like, don't, the the outside world is going to label you something, just sort of stay true to yourself and 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 believe in yourself and have a strong backbone and don't worry about Twitter. I guess is my message to individuals out there. So I don't know. Let's get to recommendations. It sounds like you're. Uh, sounds like I know where you're going here.
1: Yeah, I mean, go pick up Jim Miller's book. Uh, so Jim Miller was former uh, was is a former um, media writer at the New York Times. He's he's written a bunch of. Uh, these kind of big oral histories. He did a great one on, with Tom Shales, um, who's a, who was the Washington Post TV writer for years, um, about Saturday Night Live. It's an oral history of Saturday Night Live. It's like some of the it's some of the best stuff you'll ever read if you're into into that. Uh, but the book's called uh, "These Guys Have All the Fun," and it, it's about uh, you know ESPN from beginning to. I, I think the book came out six or seven years ago. It is it is one of the most fascinating sort of how the company went from this tiny little outpost in Bristol to being the worldwide leader, you know, the the personalities, they chronicle all of that. He writes a lot about the big show era with, with Oberman and Patrick. He writes a lot about how sports center and the, this is sports center, that Wyden Kennedy ad campaign became sort of like the defining feature of the network. He Talks about uh, you know rights acquisitions and, and, and he has access to guys like uh, Skipper and Norby and, and, and whoever else that, that are running that have that have been running the company or had or ran the company. If you if you're interested at all in media, you should pick this thing up because it is just one of one of the best media reads you'll ever find.
0: I have got it upstairs on the shelf. It's not a small book. It's rather rather large, but it is a no, great. It, it's a great read, so read yeah, i mean
1: it, and it's it's oral history style, which means you're you're reading chunks of quotes from people right. as opposed to as opposed to narrative he he'll set up a he'll set up a section and then kind of use people's words to tell the story and it's absolutely and it's just a it's a page turner i mean it's like seven hundred pages, but you'll just kind of flip through it.
0: Uh, my recommendation is sort of stealing a page out of your book here um i i def, definitely recommend the the ESPN book these guys have all the fun but i also would say to people along the lines of what we talked about earlier in the show which is watch soccer this weekend just just give your give it a chance like if you don't love soccer i know that's okay but give it if, if you watch england and italy and the copa final and you do not like it i will at least say fine you gave it a chance But I I, you need to watch it, especially with England having never really won one of these in like 50 years playing in Wembley Stadium in London. Like go watch the events and tell me when it goes to inevitably, when it goes to penalty kicks and you watch one man walk 50 yards with a ball to a dot by himself with the weight of an entire country on his shoulders. Do not tell me you feel nothing. Just try watching it and try not like I just just give it a shot. That's all I'm asking.
1: I mean the the drama the drama of the the two finals this weekend is just kind of overwhelming. It's uh, awesome the, the England the England stuff like you mentioned is going to have you're not going to find uh, the, the game itself. You know these finals are often kind of weird. Sometimes they end up being kind of like really cagey because nobody wants to risk too much, and so the game itself is maybe less dramatic than the than the the things which surround it. But the Copa America final, you know, this may be Leo, uh, Lionel Messi's last chance to win a major to win a major trophy. Argentina faces Brazil in the final. It's in, yeah. it's in Brazil. It's being ravaged by COVID. So it's being played in empty stadiums. Not hell um, yeah. Uh, so and, and but you hear all sorts of stuff. Like you could hear the players when Argentina and and Colombia went to uh penalty kicks the other night you could hear the players trash talking each other while they were waiting on you know while they were waiting on kicks like but like two barcelona teammates yuri mina for colombia and and messi were yelling at <laughs> just, just shit talking with each other and it's fascinating because like sometimes you can't see you can't hear that in like the no. you, you know
0: in a no. stadium full of people. Right. Uh, all right. So uh go watch go watch some soccer this weekend. Just give it a chance. That's all we're asking. We're not pushing it on you, just give it a shot. You don't uh, have and, to cheer for England. And, and, just just remember that you do yeah. not have to cheer for England. Yeah, but, but I, mean, I can't, don't cheer for Italy, but, but but I can't cheer for Italy either. I just can't, <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> I can't do it. Um and and of course, read the book ESPN. Uh, special thanks to Corey Curtis for joining us today as well. Uh Lame Stream Sports is brought to you by jaspers always jaspers always jaspers free parking great menu great place to watch all those soccer matches this weekend should you choose to go out this is your mission should you should you choose to accept it go out and watch some soccer at jaspers have a cocktail that is frozen in popsicle form and tell us what you think at where at where steve where can they tell you what they think about jaspers popsicles you can at me at Scavendish on twitter that's right, Braden.
1: Where can they find you on the socials?
0: You can at me at Braden Gall at Jasper's Nash as well. If you tell them how much you love their alcoholic popsicles, tell us too, but definitely tell them. Uh, maybe tell them that we sent you as well. Uh, so special thanks to Corey Curtis, Steve Cavendish. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you for listening. This has been Lamestream Sports on the 440 Sports Network.